Welcome to the Mark Howard Broadcast on TalkZone.com. The Mark Howard Broadcast is a Christian-based, conservative-minded political talk show, one that hopes to bring people of all political ideologies together. It is the mission of this show to find unity in all voices, without doing so at the expense of the truth. This is the Mark Howard Broadcast on TalkZone.com. Welcome, welcome to the Mark Howard Broadcast. I am Mark Howard. Oh, I want to thank you for once again uh, stopping by the Mark Howard Broadcast on Talk Zone Radio. And this this week's show is going to be a little different. If you re- recall from last week, I said that there is a way with all the um, acrimony and uh, division and, and the like in the political um, landscape today, that there might be a way that I've used... Um, Actually, my father taught me uh, years and years and years ago. Uh, and just to give you a brief uh, background on that, uh, as I said, I came from a, um, a very, very strong Democrat family. My father was like an operator of what you would say a deal maker, something to that effect, or a king maker. Uh, my mother worked for Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, they were strong, uh, we used to say in the old days, blue dog Democrats. And in the 12th district of uh, Brooklyn, you did not become anything, be it state senator, congressman, or whatever, without going um, through my father at the Seneca Club in Brooklyn, um, Bed-Stuy. Um, he was really, he had developed a system known as the Trioka, in which you could practically assure you, if you was a Democrat, that you could be elected to the position you may have been interested in. And that Trioka consisted primarily of the churches. He knew most of the black pastors, if they all black in the best side in those days. Uh, no, not really. Come to think of it, it was a mixed neighborhood. But he knew most of the pastors. The next thing was the funeral parlors and directors. And after that, he knew the bars and the saloon and the like. And what he would, you would go into the neighborhood. And I watched how uh, the Democrat Party Worked. I mean, I learned it because my father had designs on me going into politics. I did go into politics. Unfortunately, I did not go as a Democrat. I went as a Republican. At, and my first vote was for um, President Richard M. Nixon at the time. And doing that cost me uh, my relationship with my father, literally. I mean, we were very, very close prior to that. We talked a lot, and we he, we used to have hours of talking on politics, current events, you name it, we talked about it. And after I voted for Richard M. Nixon, he was pretty much heartbroken, and he never really spoke to me other than good morning and good night, and that was it. And uh, I don't regret that, as I say, that decision at all, because I know today my uh, folks would in no way, shape, form, or fashion be Democrats, considering the fact that uh, my father was strongly against um Immigration, illegal or otherwise, he thought that, and he used his uh, words, uh, these people just coming over here to take jobs from the Negroes, and that's what we were called in those days. It was not considered derogatory. Uh, we were called Negroes in those days, or he would say they would they would never have went for abortion. As I explained in the previous show, the black church took care of abortions um, in, in-house, if I may say that. They uh, they sent the girl away who got the child out of wedlock, brought the baby. The child came back maybe nine months later, and all of a sudden there's a child for adoption in the church. And the church took care of that entire situation. And uh, being that they were Baptists, I knew they would have never, ever stood for um, 
uh, same sex uh, marriage. So I know that my decision, even though it did cost me a relationship uh, with my father and, and my mother, I mean, come on, she's a mother and her son and her husband are not talking. I know it was hard on her, but I, I look back now and I say, I know I did the right thing. And I say all of that because of this. I have seen uh, what the Democrat Party does. I know it appears. I said, you know, I said the Mark Howard show, there's a wide division in schism in America politically, a very wide, uh, deep uh, schism. And I said that, you know, I do not in any way, shape, form or fashion want the Mark Howard show to, you know, deepen that schism. But I I also had said at the I said at the very beginning, we will not sacrifice truth or fact for perceived unity. The fact is what the Democrat Party has done and the reason they continually do it, it worked. This whole identity politics, this this black against white, rich against poor, uh, what they're saying now, this is the same thing they're saying now. One of your own candidates, Bloomberg, is a billionaire, and the other Democrats are saying, "Ah, oh, you're rich, you're buying an election." Now, whether he is or isn't, which he is, by the way, that's not the point. It's the same identity politics, which is designed to divide the uh, constituents so that they'll vote for what you want. So, you, if you make everybody a victim and you appear like the savior, then they're going to vote for you. And that's the that is a strategy. That is not an accident. I've seen it done. Over and over again, uh, with the way my father did it. Last week I said about a Republican who had the, uh, who was crazy enough to try to run in bed stay even in the day. They slandered him. They linked him to some woman and all kinds of foolishness. And the guy, it really, they tore him up. I mean, really. And I, I know it's hard to say this, but my father did those things and it didn't seem to matter because the, the machine is a machine. And I remember, and I say all of that to say this, this country is in such a dangerous or precarious situation because of the fact that years and years of years of putting, you know, uh, black against white, rich against poor, male against female has now taken a toll of that. We're thinking if you're a Republican, you're evil. If you're a Democrat, you're evil. And that is not the way I remember there was a time in this nation when once the president was elected from either party, what happened was the other party coalesced around him and he had a honeymoon period and, you know, everything uh, worked. Uh, they, they tried to work together for good. It didn't matter whether it was a Democrat or Republican. Whoever won the presidency got the support and backing of both parties by leadership, which is that's now that's important. The leadership went out of the way to make sure that they told the people, okay, this is such and such a person is the president. Let's work for them. Let's let's try to get something done. Uh as of late, uh that has not been done. And what has been happening to President Trump is actually uh oh my gosh. I mean, having been a, a reporter, having been a a morning drive news anchor and the like there is it's it's unbelievable what the media ha- has done to this this president the media is supposed to be above it all in one way shape form or fashion this are they are all supposed to report the facts not opinion not commentary usually in the day when my father had um us all watching only three programs on TV we could ever watch, even though we had a TV and all that kind of good stuff. We could only watch Walter Cronkite on Monday, Chet Huntley, David Brinkley on Tuesday. I believe it was Frank Reynolds or Harold, Carol, Howard K. Smith on Wednesday. There was only three networks, ABC, um, NBC, and CBS. And now we, we watched those, but I never knew precisely. And I, and I, my father told me, you have a very, uh, you have a very acute political, uh, 
in, in, um, knowledge, which I did. I, I politically, I was uh, very acute as to what they were saying. I never knew what Walter Cronkite was, uh, Chad Huntley, David Brinkley. They never echoed that. Today, that's all you know. That's all you know. And in this confusion, I said, the system that my father told me to develop years ago, he said, listen, and I'm going to share with you. Basically, this is it. Forget the party that you're in. Because right now, the parties are like warring against each other, which is not good for this country. And I hope some leader on the Democrat side realizes this. Because, the uh, I don't know, the truth be told, this president has reached out way back in the day for uh, uh, support and help from uh, the Democrats, particularly Nancy Pelosi and the like. When he first got elected, he said, well, it's going to die down and they're going to come to a work together. It never happened. It never, ever happened. And I've been doing my research for this particular show. I've got some pointers and some ideas, and some of them are really, um, you know, I have a, I know a lot of folks in politics. Uh, here where I am, I know the, uh, the, the chairman of the uh, – the Republican Party here, uh, who wrote the last platform, I know uh, Democrats here, you know, I know quite a few. And I, I listen and gather, so that when I come to you, I bring you the most up-to-date information, and I try to filter it from my years of being uh, raised a Democrat, being in the Republican Party, and also being a broadcaster journalist. So I believe I do bring a unique uh, perspective to um, this whole political I don't know what to call it anymore because I've never seen anything like this in this country. And as I said, I'm 66. I voted Republican in 19 and I've been, I, I was, uh, uh, they wanted to run me for Congress and that was my fault that I didn't run for Congress. They did pull their support because I at that time could not be supportive of capital punishment. And it wasn't until after I became a Christian, became saved that I realized, <clears throat> excuse me, that capital punishment is biblically correct. Um, and I'll, that's a whole nother story, but, um, my point right here and now is this. With all of this uh, malaise, uh, this acrimony, this uh, complete craziness in politics, you might want to try this. My father said, listen, here's what you do. You ask yourself this question. Now, it doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, or whatever. You're asking this as a personal question to yourself to determine who you will vote for, who's in office. And the question is really simple. Has this particular person been good or bad for the country? Excuse me. That's it. Has he or she been good or bad for the country? You can do it at all levels, uh, state levels, uh, uh, national levels, uh, in your own neighborhood, your mayor. Has he been good or bad for the city? Now, the criteria uh, for the different positions vary. For example, if you're a mayor, the main thing is that the um, your, your taxes are relatively uh, uh, you can swallow your taxes. You got your your police and protection, and the um, the the budget is balanced like that in the cities. And you know it's generally a livable city. Now, when you go to the presidential level, it actually just gets the same, but a little bigger. Number one, defense is is this um president put us in a, a very strong uh, position militarily. Unfortunately, we live in a world where people don't like Americans. Contrary to popular opinion, uh, there's people who would like to hurt us. So you want to make sure that the president has a, com- a country in a strong military position. Next, you want to make sure that the, uh, the the level of working in America is at a decent uh, level and a decent pace. In other words, are people working? Or you have like 
10, 12% unemployment bad. Because that means you've got a lot of people are disgruntled. You also have, with contrary to what Democrats think, you have the welfare system part of the government overstrained. When you have that many people receiving food stamps, welfare, whatever, it's a strain, believe it or not, on the uh, economic uh, engine of society in and of itself. So in other words, monies that would have went, let's say, for bridges and roads and the like are now going to, to feed people. I mean, I can understand it. So you want to make sure that the um, unemployment level is tolerable. Uh, in addition to that, you want to make sure that the uh, there's a, a sense of um I don't know uh, optimism in, in a nation uh, there and there have been those times in this country when there have been uh, periods of optimism uh, periods of uh, you know if you study American political history which I had to uh, because that's the family I was raised in. Uh, when Roe and when Hoover was president, I'm going way 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 back. I'm talking about the 1920s. When Hoover was president, uh, it, we had what we call the Roaring Twenties. And it seemed like everything was great and wonderful, but eventually you had to pay the price for that. And then we had the Great uh, Depression, which was a real depression, where we had, I think, almost 10, 12, 15 million Americans were out of work. That was serious. You had the, if you see so many old documentaries, you saw um, men and women uh, selling apples in the street. Uh, my my folks grew up in that, and that's why I think they were so penurious. Like they, my, my father used to tell my mother, "You will squeeze the, uh, on the old nickels." They had a buffalo. My father used to tell my mother, "You will squeeze that buffalo until he cries." But she was very she would help she hold on to anything. When it came to money, she she didn't like spending it because they were they were born doing that period of time, and if you were black, it was not a depression or recession. It was just flat out broke, broke. It, it was really bad. So I can understand their reluctance to buy things or spend things. But the, the fact of the matter was, uh, the country was in a terrible, terrible time emotionally. Uh, it was just uh, a malaise, you know. People didn't feel the country was doing anything or serving them. Then uh, President Roosevelt came along, and he did this great big spending thing. We also had World War II, and that's the real reason uh, the Great Depression ended, because we were spending for World War II, building all the military tanks, jets, bombs, you name it, we were building it. And the country felt a sense of pride, a, a sense of comeback, and, and, and that, was, that was a good time. And, of course, he won the election four times over. and. The Republicans did something that I thought was very uh, dumb at that time. Uh, they passed a law that no other president, Roosevelt ran, I think, three terms and won. And the Republicans said, never again, we will let that happen. So they passed a term limit on the president of the United States. It was not constitutional. It was done uh, extra uh, constitution so that the president of the United States can no longer run for three terms, two terms, and that's it. Because technically, if that wouldn't have been in place, some have, some have said, uh, these um, uh, political historians, of which I am on, that probably Bill Clinton, without that impeachment fiasco, he probably would have won a third term. Same would have been with Ronald Reagan. He probably would have won a third term. And now if you bring that all up to today, as I said, in general, when uh, the president is elected, sworn in, not even counting on the party, the country, the, the leaders of the parties come together and they support and work this with this person. Now, 
Since President Trump has been president of these United States, the treatment from the Democrat Party, the media, which I've never seen that coordinated and orchestrated against the president, has been absolutely, uh, uh, I don't know if there's a word for it. It's been almost abominable simply because of the fact that I've, you've never, no matter what this president does, good, bad, or indifferent, it is always labeled as bad or negative. I mean, when have you ever heard that a, a brand new president uh, elected to office, they have spies in his office. Now, when I say spies, I'm not talking about, you know, reporters over there. I'm talking about government officials from your respected uh, law enforcement agencies, from the FBI, CIA, NSA, and all the other alphabets, actually spying on the president and leaking the information. Uh, I remember when they said um, his conversation with the president, I believe, of Australia was leaked. Conversation with the president of Mexico. That really, uh, if you know politics, that really can cripple an administration because no world leader will say, look, I can't talk to you. If I talk to you, we make some type of deal or something. It's going to be all over your media and that's going to weaken um, our position. So it was, it was very difficult with President Trump to do what he wanted to do. And I'll be, let me just be transparent here. I voted for President Trump. I support the president enthusiastically. I also worked for Donald J. Trump when he was Donald J. Trump way back in Brooklyn when I was working my way through broadcast school. I worked for him at the Trump Tower. I was a security guard uh, in one of his buildings. Uh, an amazing man, believe it or not. The way the media has painted him, I mean, it's just, it's, it, I, I don't know who they're talking about, believe it or not. And many, many people don't. But the fact of the matter is the treatment by the media and particularly by the Democrat Party, this got this has to come from leadership that whatever he does, no matter what he does, we will say it is not good. Even if it is good, uh, we will say it's not good. We will constantly make him like that. The thing that they said happened in Charlottesville where he said, oh, there were some good people on both sides. I've listened to that. I've played it. I don't know how many times. The fact of the matter is that the media twisted that. And the media can do this now. That's In other countries, the media has actually overthrown uh, governments that they did not like. And the first thing that a dictator does when he overtakes a country is, number one, remove their guns and weapons, and number two, control the communication system. This way, they can't defend themselves, and we control the information that they hear and or see. So... Uh, well, what happened was in Charlottesville, he said, oh, there were good people on both sides. The fact of the matter was what he was referring to when he looked at the video, he saw bystanders watching on both sides of the protest. They weren't involved in anything. They were just watching these white supremacists and white nationalists march up down with their ignorance and, and all kinds of foolishness. And uh, he said, no, no, there were some good people. He was talking about the people who were just watching. Like, he, like, like I participated in protests, and I watched protests. And he, that's what he was saying. But the media took it completely out, spun it out, and made it seem. Now, if you haven't seen it, you would think that he was saying, oh, the Nazis were good people. No, he didn't say that. But that was just one instance. There were many. Um, on inauguration day, the New York Times, the gray lady, the great uh, newspaper that has lost all respect around the world for its blatant, as the president would say, fake news. They took a picture, and in that picture, they showed and said, oh, only a handful of people attended President Trump's inauguration. Then they showed a picture of 
President Obama's inauguration. And they said throngs appeared for President Obama. The fact of the matter is the New York Times took the picture for President Trump's inauguration before the inauguration actually started. People were just coming in and getting in. And with the pictures of the pre- President Obama's inauguration, they had taken it at the peak when everybody was there and milling around. And they made it seem appear that uh, President Trump's uh, organization was sparsely attended. Not true. And so that's why you have to do this now for yourself. You cannot trust the media uh, really pretty much at all. I've never seen so many instances where the media has to retract fake news, lies, deception. I mean, it's, it's, it's way out of control. So the system that I was given handed down to me was that you got to ask yourself this question. Has this president been good or bad for the country? Period. You don't go by and when you do this, you don't go by nuances and all this foolishness. Oh, he talks funny or he looks funny. He's tall. So no, you don't go by that. You go by the actual policy results. Has this like when Jimmy Carter was president, we had interest rate at 21 percent. Uh, economically, the country was on, on, on crutches, literally it was on crutches because he did. He, he, he did not have an, an economic um basis on how to do things and therefore the country suffered mightily we had a high inflation high uh, interest rates it was it was terrible i lived through that period i mean i was that was a uh, uh, 70s uh something to that effect and it was bad it was bad i also lived under ronald reagan when we had low interest rates the economy was booming uh, there was uh, taxes were lowered and everything and that's what republicans generally do but the Democrats try to hide that because the Democrats like to do this. Tax and spend. We'll give the people as many social programs as they need because that's the way you control the people. If you And that's what they work beautifully uh, with uh, black folk, African-Americans, whatever the term. I'm not politically correct. Um, whatever the term. But they said, okay, we're going to give them all the welfare they need, which they did. We're going to uh, take the men out the homes and put them in jails, which they did. And then we're going to, um, they're not going to be able to go anywhere. And then Baines Johnson said it himself. It's, you can still Google this, where he said, I'm going to have these Negroes, except he didn't use that word, voting for Democrat for the next 200 years. So I'm going to give them everything they need. And what did we have in the black community to this day? Drugs, jail, and abortion. And it doesn't matter where you go in the country, it's there, whether it's Chicago, Baltimore, Washington, California, anywhere, it's the same. So you you ask yourself that question. You say, has this president been good or bad for the country? Now, we have three years, three and a half years to make a really good assessment of the performance of this president. And, and not to have been biased, I did not go to what, being that I am a conservative Republican, I did not go to sites that I know that would obviously uh, be beneficial to the president. And at the same time, I didn't go to the other sites uh, that would make the president uh, what we call liberal media sites, which is everywhere, be it ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, or PBS, you name it. They're all horribly biased. So what I did was try to go to independent sources. Now, there are companies in broadcast like LexisNexis. They offer um, real news. And they offer real information. Now, it's very dry, like it's statistical. So if you're not into that, it's not going to be appealing to you. But, you know, it's information, real information. Another source is uh, C-SPAN. C-SPAN is basically the government 
uh, uh, channel. And what that, what they do is they pretty much give you fair and balanced information. You may not like it, but it's fair and balanced information. It is not colored, it is not tainted because it's just, uh, it's procedure. Um, how the Congress works, how the Senate works, the voting and the machinations and all that. And believe it, when you get into the, uh, the weeds of politics, it's boring. It's dry because of the fact they're sitting up there and they're taking apart some bill. Well, I want this in that bill. And they don't want you to see this. So C-SPAN, uh, as, as good as they are, they don't get into the nitty gritty of how, hmm, excuse me, how a nice tea here today, how it's as how your government is actually ran. They don't do that. So what they do is that what the information they do give you though is very, um, it's very straight up. It's boring, it's dull, it's dry, but it's straight up. Um, and so you, I've had, what I had to do so I wouldn't color it with my bias is to find out, I said, okay, what have been the actual accomplishments of President Trump? Not from the left, not from the right, but from the country's perspective of has he done good or bad for America? That's what the choice was. That's what my parameters was. And I wasn't going to based on the fact that he, he, he's a New Yorker. He talks, he talks the way he talks. I talk that way. I'm also born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And we do have a little saltiness. It has a lot of arrogance because we, you grow up thinking that New York is the big apple. New York is this. New York is that. It ain't anymore, by the way. And you get this, you know, cause right now what's going on in New York, um, it's just horrible, particularly what they're doing to police officers, but I digress. So I could not, um, I didn't want to use my bias. So I went to, like I said, the sites that are not. And I wanted to find out the true accomplishments, excuse me, accomplishments of President Trump without the color, without the rose colored glasses or the black glasses that make this president seem like he's some sort of a monster or something, which he is not. And is he perfect? No. Has he made mistakes? Absolutely. Um, has he, um, you know, he's a human being. My gosh. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when I um, read the, the Bible, I read it thoroughly. Uh, I read it several times from Genesis to Revelation. In other words, the whole book. And I was surprised that the only one in that Bible who was not what you would call um, negative in any way was Jesus Christ. Everyone else from David, Saul, um, um, all of them. They had some serious, serious flaws. Yet God used these individuals, men and women, to further his purpose. So, and some say that the presidents that this country get is pretty much ordained by God. And if you study the Bible long enough and you really read it through the Holy Spirit, that is amazingly true. Now, in trying to find out the real accomplishments of President Trump, I went to, as I said, LexisNexis, uh, C-SPAN, and there were there were a few other sites that I went to that also have the unvarnished, unblemished record. Now, I was to me, quite frankly, I was thinking, well, uh, he's a it's his first term, and even though you do hear some of the things he's done, I didn't expect but so much because he's a first term president. How much can a president get accomplished in first term? The only one that accomplished, I think, more 
might have been Franklin Roosevelt, who in his first term, he just he rammed through all those bills through uh, the Congress and the Senate because the country was in such a dire situation. They they said, let's try something. So he had the fortune of being uh, in the presidency at the right time. It also happened with Lyndon Baines Johnson, where he rushed through all the um, civil rights legislation with the help of the Republicans primarily. The Southerners, or the Dixocrats, as they called them in the day, did not vote for any civil rights program. As a matter of fact, they abandoned Lyndon Baines Johnson. They called him a turncoat, a scallywag, and everything else. And he said himself, when he finally passed the Civil Rights Bill in 1964, he said that we have lost the South forever. He was right, because the Dixocrats did not want black people having any the voting rights or any other right. And uh, those congressmen, those senators, they didn't vote, I mean, for uh, anything civil rights. He, it had to be done with the Republicans. But they don't tell you this. It's not uh, – you have to dig this out and search it, that if it was not for the Republicans, uh, there would be no civil rights legislation, no voting rights legislation, none of that, because that was basically done by the uh, the uh, Republicans in 1964. But when we do return on the other side of the break – We're going to talk about President Donald Trump accomplishments, the real accomplishments, not colored, not uh, flavored by myself or by the media, but just basically hardcore facts of how is this president done? What is he doing? You're listening to the Mark Howard broadcast on Talk Zone Radio, and we'll be back after on the on the other side just to give you an idea of the real accomplishments of President Trump. Are there any? Are there more than what he's saying or are there less than what he's saying? But my um, position here is to give you the best possible picture. Remember, we're asking one question. Has he been good or bad for the country? It's not based on character. It's not based on personality. It's based on policy. Policy. More of the Mark Howard broadcast after these messages. You're listening to the Mark Howard Broadcast on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Mark Howard Broadcast. Um, Now, in this segment, I'm going to give you an idea of the accomplishments of President Trump, sans the media, the bias, the opinion, and the commentary. What I'm going to do is just give it to you straight that I had a good idea and a good grasp. And having also been in broadcasting, I figured well, I would know, or at least can find the resources to find out. Um, but I was utterly shocked at the level, depth, and the extent at what this president has accomplished in uh, about three and a half years. It is really, you have to check this out for yourself. It is really remarkable. And that's in spite of pretty much 100% opposition from the other party. I mean, it just doesn't happen. We generally hear about unemployment being the lowest that has ever been in 50 years, which is true. And like I said, from the sources I received, from basically you can go to C-SPAN, which is neutral, uh, you can go to what Alexis Nexus, which is neutral and others uh, out there. Um, you, you'll find some. There's some smaller uh, outlets that are 
like a, like a, believe it or not, one of them was a Jim Baker show. I was surprised that they were how neutral they were. It's basically a Christian outfit, but they, they don't, they don't, they don't, they're not a hundred percent supporter of the president. Put it like that. They just report the facts and they say they have to report the facts honestly, not because of Trump or whatever, but because of their allegiance to God, which I totally agree with. Now, we've heard about the um, economic growth, but overall, some of these facts I had to read twice and double check so, so to make sure I was not getting this incorrect. And we've generally, we've had on average for the longest time, 2.9%, 3.1% for the longest and the most presidents for the, I don't know for how long, maybe the last 10, 15 years. And for the first time in more than a decade, growth is projected to exceed 3% over the next calendar year. Now, we've all heard, Now I'm not going to give you all these facts. I'm, you're going to get a lot of food for thought. And it, I hope it encourages you to think on your own. Do not go by the pablum that is being fed to you by the parties. And in this case, particularly the Democrat Party. When the, when the Republicans do this, which they did not, even though Republicans disagreed entirely with pretty much everything Obama was doing, it was never to this extent. We didn't go out there and sabotage. We didn't ride like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and tear up things and blow up and hit people. No, we disagreed with him. I did, but I respected him that he was the president of the United States. I respected that office. Unlike what has been done to President Trump, the office is not respected. The man is not respected. Nothing to tear up the uh the State of the Union speech behind a sitting president of the United States is beyond the pale. You don't do that. That went around the world. And to see that you're the, 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 the leader of a, a party, the Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House, that's all the people in America, Speaker of the House, you tear up the president's in all, in, in, uh, State of the Union address, I mean, w- what are you thinking? You're the Speaker of the House, not the Speaker of the Democrat. You're Speaker of the House. But she completely lost that, and I think she lost a whole lot of respect, even from Democrats. I heard from Democrats who said that went too far. That went too far. She should not have done that. You're not the Speaker of the Democrats. You're the Speaker of the House, which is made of 435 individuals, Republicans and Democrats. I don't care who's in the majority. It's Republicans and Democrats. And she did a great disservice to Americans. Now, we all hear about the um, unemployment levels under President Trump. What I found out is that the unemployment levels under President Trump is more than good. They're actually almost astounding. If you look at this, check this. And people say, well, this is part of the Obama. It is not. Now, every administration says that. I got to tell you, whether Republican, if it's a good administration, Republicans say, uh, well, we did that. And the other part say, well, we did that. That's just tick for tack politics, period. Uh, which if the government, if the, um, if the, uh, the economy was good, the party that was in previously say they did it. If the economy is bad, they then say, well, we, we didn't have that problem. So, but the fact of the matter is, uh, it's too deep in his administration to contribute this to President Obama or anybody else. This is his economy now. Usually after the first uh, 12 to 18 months, the economy belongs to the president's office. Now, believe me, if we had a high inflation, high unemployment, everybody would be blaming Trump. Oh, look at the unemployment. Look at the inflation. But because that is not the case, what you have is a, um, a false 
of false information being put out about this president. The facts, 4 million, that's 4 million new jobs have been created since the election and more than 3.5 million since President Trump took office. Now, more Americans are employed now than ever before in our history. Jobless claims are at the lowest level in nearly 50 years. That is no joke. I, I'm surprised. Really? The economy has achieved the longest, now ticked up, the longest po- positive job growth streak on record. Job openings are at an all-time high and outnumber job seekers for the first time on record. Now, let me just say something to you. If that was, if this, if this, I don't know, how do you put this? If the Democrat Party was honest and fair with Americans and their own party, every leader of both sides would be saying, this is very good, Mr. President. This is really an accomplishment. The Democrats, in the olden days of my generation, the party, the opposition party or the party out of power would say, well, how can we get in on this? Let's put some of our bills in there so that we could say, well, at least we help. They did not. Whatever President Trump tried to do, they blocked it. When he tried to bring them along and said, we can have a, a instru- uh, an infrastructure bill, they said no. When he said, we can build a wall and employ people, no. They, they, the, the, the scuttlebutt, as I understand, is this. Whatever President Trump wanted to do that would make him look favorable, don't do it. Whatever President Trump wanted to do that would help America, don't do it. And by doing that, we have exactly what we have going on now. The American people are not aware pretty much at all of what is going on in their own government and economy. Now, if you break it down, the depth of this recovery is rare. When I say the depth, you could break it down by individual races, genders, whatever. African-American, Hispanic, and Asian-American unemployment rates have all recently reached record lows, record lows. Veterans' unemployment rate of 3.0 has been the lowest since May of 2001. Youth unemployment rate, 9.2, the lowest since July 1966. Now, you tell me something. Why is it that President Obama, the Democrat Party, didn't do this? Any party could do it. It's not exclusive to Republicans. It's this President Trump, a Republican, who did this, who did all of this. And a a statistic that is quite unusual, unemployment rate for Americans without a high school diploma recently reached a record low. Now, remember maybe 15 years ago, it was touted that everybody should have a college degree. So they went and told the youngsters from high school, "Get a, go to college, go to college, go to college. It was drummed into their heads. Prior to that, you there were vocational schools. We can go right from high school and become an electrician, a plumber, a craftsman, or whatever, and you got really serious, good-paying jobs. Today, uh, many of these so-called uh, low blue-collar jobs are plumber, electrician. They're making uh, uh, six-figure uh, salaries, 100000 150000 200000 without any um, high school. And what happened is those who 
excuse me, went to high school. Uh, and, 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 and let me correct that. Those who went to college got their degrees. When they graduated, here's what happened. They found themselves in massive debt. And then I found out that this was this was another thing that was planned by the Department of Education prior to this big push to have everyone go to college, whether you're whether you're college material or not, you were told to go. Oh, you can go to a community college. But the fact of the matter is they you was you, you were indebted so much that half of these kids they, they won't get out of that debt. Let's say you get out of college when you're twenty five, you won't get out of debt until you're forty. And that was by design. You're not living, you're paying off a debt, particularly if you were for any of these specialties, um, a medical, uh, law, uh, or the like. And that's absolutely stunning. Because remember what was told, that if you don't have uh, a, a degree, you don't get uh, a, a good job. Well, now, in doing this research, I found out that there are people in the embroidery industry. This is a high school educated job who are making $100,000 a year. I mean, that's astounding. And it, it's a good job. Uh, it, 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 you don't have to go through four years of college and be $80,000, $100,000, $200,000 in debt. That's amazing. Now, if we move on from just the um, employment numbers to data on American income. Median, median household income rose to $61,372 in 2017. That's, 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 I don't know what to say about that. That's just, I have to keep reading. Is that true? Wages up in the past August were the fastest since June 2009. Paychecks rose by 3.3% between 2016 and 2017, the most in a decade. And you know what? There is so much information in this report that I compiled and put together. It, it's actually astounding. And I hear the Democrat probably continually, constantly saying, we are the party for black people. We're the party for African-Americans. Well, tell me something. African-Americans were incarcerated in an extraordinarily high rate under the Clinton-Biden omnibus crime bill. It, and it was it was a horrible, horrible bill. And what it did was if you was a black person and you got arrested for drugs and in the day, the drug was crack. Now, if you was a white person and you got busted for cocaine, mine is the same drug, just two different forms. You would get a maybe if you're a white guy and you had a, let's say, a packet or two of cocaine, you would get a maybe two to five years and, and the like. Now, if you was black and you had two to three rocks, you were considered a distributor, even if it was only for personal use. And you got 50 years, 40 years. President Trump looked at this and he made what we call the prison justice reform. And one of the women, I think her name is Miss Johnson, was on a 50 year sentence. She got arrested when she was like 19 or 20. She's, I believe she's like 50. And she was released under President Trump under these ridiculous draconian, uh, um, these laws made up by Democrats. Uh, the what they call the Clinton Biden omnibus crime bill. The reason they called Biden because he was in the Senate and they all voted on this. And they thought it was a good thing. And it put a whole generation of black men and women in jail for nearly forever because, I mean, it, it was un unreal. And President Trump, he started 
the Prison Reform Justice Act signed it, executive order, and it freed many, many, many. And I asked myself, how come the black president, Democrat, Obama, did not do that? He could have done it. He had the Congress and the Senate in the first two years. He could have done that. He could have done that, but he didn't. Also, something that is not as important, but important to a lot of African-Americans. Jack Johnson, the great black boxer, uh, he was a felon. How did he become a felon? It is because he was married to a white woman. And we're talking about around 1910, 1919. I'm surprised they didn't lynch this man. But he was a, a great boxer. Maybe that was the reason. And he had brought his wife across state lines. In those days, you, a black man could not travel across state lines with a white woman, married, sister, whatever. You couldn't do it. He did. And he was in violation of the Mann Act. And by v being in violation of the Mann Act, he was considered a felon. That was on his record, a great black boxer for like, what, 50, 60, 70 years. At the behest of Sylvester Stallone, he contacted President, and he said he tried to do it with others, but nobody listened. He contacted President Trump and said, this is wrong. This is wrong. President Trump looked into it, expunged this man's record. One of the greatest black heavyweight boxers in the world, Jack Johnson. I asked myself again, why didn't President Obama, the black president, do these things? Why didn't the Democrat Party, who's supposed to be for minorities, who's supposed to be for the underdog, why didn't they do it? No, they didn't. You know why? I know that party. As I keep telling, I was born and raised in that party. And they don't really care. And they're doing the same things now. Where it's lip service, lip service. I mean, unbelievable lip service. Everybody's a victim. And what I find to be terribly, terribly evil is that they have made white men, white men, enemies. Oh, they got white privilege. If you're a white man, you're almost, ex you're, you're a villain. How do you come up with that? Half the, the race, white males. I have white male friends who, who are just so frustrated on their jobs. And thank God I'm retired. I don't have to go through all that nonsense. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They keep a very low profile. They try not to antagonize anybody. They try not to say anything. They try not to do anything. They stunt themselves and everything, and and, and and you wonder why. And I'm not, now, my, now listen to me. I am not in any way, shape, form, or fashion justifying what I'm about to say because what it is is evil. But you talk to some of these black, white men, these white men, and you know what? I can understand where they're coming from. And they go out there and murder up people and everything because the frustration level is unreal. I know white guys who, who are just as poor, if not poorer, than a black person. And yet, if they go apply for something, food stamps, welfare, they're looked down upon, they're criticized. Well, you got white privilege. I mean, and that has been started by the Democrat Party, the left. You're ostracizing a whole group of people, and you, they, it, they do it all the time. They do it all the time. They, they've done it with women. They've done it with blacks. They've done it with uh, uh, um, rich, poor, whatever. And they've done it with their own White males. White men are horribly treated in this nation, and it should not be. 
And that's what the first thing they throw at any Republican, be it President Trump, be it this one or whatever. The first thing they throw at him, he's a misogynist. He's a homophobe. He's a deplorable. He's, I mean, you can't be a white man without being the devil. And that's not good at all. And I, and I know that from a fact. And I can tell you from a fact because I am married to an Italian woman. For, for those of you who don't know, those white people, uh, the Italian woman, just joking. The fact is she has, uh, I think she comes from a family of 10. And her brothers, all Italian guys, they do, they're not, believe me, they're not privileged. They work real hard. Uh, some are in uh, construction, two are ministers, I believe, pastors and the like. They work real hard. But they also sense the discrimination against white guys. Which I'd never thought to see the day. Now, and don't run that on me about, oh, doing slavery and all that kind of stuff. You name me, <clears throat> excuse me, some white guy in his 40s or 50s who had a slave, who owned a slave, who did anything remotely related to slavery. They didn't. To use that, that language, oh, well, they have a white privilege. Or for a white boy who's going to college because his parents struggled to say that, and he wants to be a conservative Republican, you're no good. You're part of the problem. I mean, they don't even want you to think for yourself. You have to think what they want you to think. And you think that's good for America? Does anyone really think it's good to have a whole group of men disgruntled? And only one race, because, you know, I'm going to tell you straight here. When I was first, not first got into broadcasting, I had been in about two, three, five years, and I was in a major market, New York. Um, I was the morning drive anchor, and there was another white guy there who was a very good. He used to tell me, you have the best pipes in New York radio. He said, you really, really are good. And I used to think, I used to say to him, I said, no, but you got a much better delivery. You're more cadenced, and you're more like like radio radio. Um and, and we and we went back and forth. There was a p- promotion. This is before I should say I got the morning drive uh, news anchor, and it was up for grabs. And the manager Charlie Manu, he, uh, he he took me in for an interview, and he took the other guy in for an interview. When he was over, he said, um, "Mr. Ford, I'm elevating you to the morning drive news anchor." And I said, "What about?" I don't want to mention the guy's name. I said, what about, what do you call it? He said, oh, no, he's very, very good. But I think you're more uh, tailored for this particular position uh, for morning drive news anchor. You have the more authoritative voice. And, you know, and, you, and at that time we had a news crew and I would go out and do the interviews. He said, you just have that presence. And I walked out of his office when I, I my friend, I guess they might have told him first. He had such a sad look on his face. But I always wondered. Did I get the morning drive news anchor position because I was really good or because I was black? And it was my friend who said, no, no, man, you, you really were good. And I can see what they're saying now. I've listened to you do the, the morning drive. And as, as far as news, you're the best. And that was later um, verified by other folks who was in broadcasting because there's a little saying in broadcasting. Whenever you're on the air, you're auditioning. And I was on regular um, AM radio, and that was at the time when I had applied for a position at WABC. For those of you who don't know what WABC is, if you're not in New York, that was the station where Rush Limbaugh started. 
uh, when I was over there, it was basically mutual funds and menopause. It was an older senior citizen type station. And I put in my resume for, um, the afternoon slot that Russ had, I think 11 to 2. And the general manager, he called me in and, and cause I had, I wrote a, to never do this. I wrote a resume that must have been 10 pages long. And, um, he, he looked at me, he said, you're a conservative? Now remember, this is the seventies. I said, yes, I am, sir. He said, I never knew there were anyone like you. I never knew that, uh, Negroes or color, whatever we call them today, were conservative. I said, no, there's not many of us, but there are some of us, and I'm one of them. And my resume, I wrote this detailed thing on a conservatism, what it really means, and Republicanism. It's a whole lot more than just saying you're against abortion, believe me. And uh, he said, with all due respect, uh, Mr. Ford, I would love to hire you here. You have quite an impressive credentials. And he said, but nobody's going to believe you. And he was right. He was, this had nothing to do with race. He was right. Two weeks later, Russ Limburg came in and he got that slot. And I thank God he did. I could, I learned from him. And mind you, I was at WMCA. These are major market main stations. I was at WMCA radio where I worked, wrote for uh, the commercial copy for Bar- Barry Farber, Barry Gray, Ben Crane, Bob Grant, you name it. I came across the greats, the big people. I learned a lot from Barry Farber. I learned a lot from Barry Gray. And my point is this. That I can't imagine how white men feel today, but I can see how they're treated by the way President Trump is treated. This man has done it. Now, mind you, up until the election, uh, November 3rd, I'm going to read, you know, his accomplishments on the show. Some of them, you know, all of them, no, but some of them I'm going to uh, read so that you can have an idea of what this man, if you ask the question, has this man been good or bad for this country? And if you forget the media, forget your own bias, forget your party, just straight up, has he been good or bad for America? Not whipped up hatred by the media, not frenzied or hatred by the Democrat Party, but on your own mind. I mean, don't be sheep. You will have to come to the same conclusion I did. This man has been one of the best presidents this nation has had in decades, literally decades. I mean, I look at some of this, this stuff and I read like the federal agencies achieve more than $8 billion in a lifetime net regulatory cost savings. How many times have I heard politicians saying, well, we got to cut government expense. We got to cut government expense. He did it. He did it, but you will never know about it because it would not help the Democrat Party. People say, well, we don't have health care. You may not know this, but I'm going to tell it to you. President Trump signed an executive order to help minimize the financial burden felt by American households. He signed legislation to improve the National Suicide Helpline. He signed the most comprehensive childhood cancer legislation ever into law, which will adverse child, which will advance, I'm sorry, advance childhood cancer research, and improve treatments. He signed the right to try legislation that you can, you can try something. Maybe it won't work, maybe it will, but he, the right to try. Now, this is interesting. The USDA invested more than 1 
billion dollars in rural health care in 2017, improving access to health care for 2.5 people in rural communities across the 41 states. This is President Trump. This is the president who has done all of this that you don't know about, you don't hear about, because our media is criminal. This is what they're doing to this president. What they're doing to the American people is criminal. Not to let American people know, listen, it's okay to vote for this man. He's not a racist. He's not a misogynist. He's not a homophobe and all that foolishness. By the way, he was the first one to have an ambassador, Germany, Grinnell, who was gay. The first gay ambassador. So you might want to take your head out of the news, get out in front of the TV, Get out in front of the, the, the New York Times and all these um, magazines. Ah, when I hear that, it tells me we're out. But what I want to do right quickly, because I went a little long today, is to thank you for your time this time till next time. Next week, the problem and a solution to America's situation. Tune in again. I want to thank you for your time. God bless you all. Till next time. Have a great day. Thank you.